Well, if you see me hobbling around up here a little bit, um, please know that yesterday I had the privilege of playing paintball with the youth, and let's just, let's just say they did not show me any mercy. Um, I stopped counting um, the welts at about round 25, I believe, was the final count. Um, but for those who don't know, don't know me, I am, uh, my name's Chris Pfeiffer, I'm the youth director here at Christ Covenant, and I have the privilege of bringing um, you the word of the Lord today. So if you would, please turn your Bibles to James 1, and our passage will be out of verses 19 through 27. So go ahead and turn there. Starting in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, um, may you be glorified today um, in and through your word. May it permeate our hearts and not just our ears, Lord. May it root itself in us um, so that we go and we do. So, Father, be with us today, in Jesus' name, amen. I was reading a book a few months ago for, a, for seminary, and the author took me to a familiar Bible passage. After reading the first few sentences of the passage and being reminded of the story, what did I do? But I immediately skipped to the following paragraph to get to the author's point. However, and I will never forget this, Instead of the author's explanation, I was greeted with the words, many of you probably read the first sentence, recognize the passage, then skip to the paragraph. If that's you, I urge you to return and reread the passage in its fullness. I've never been more called out by a book in my life. Yet, this is so true for many of us. When we come upon a familiar passage in our own studies, how often do we skim or skip our way through? Or perhaps maybe this is speaking of you just now. And as you heard the you heard the simple yet familiar words of James 1, 19 through 27, your mind began to drift away. Well, if that's you, you're in luck because I'm going to reread the passage. And I urge you this time to fully listen and engage with the word of God. Let's read. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, 
which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now what? Now what? In reality, now what is the only question we should have to hear after the reading of God's word? Not needing an eloquent or persuasive speech to spur us into action. However, unfortunately, as sinful men and women, the word of God, his holy and powerful word, often seems to fall on deaf ears or sit idle in our lives. This is dangerous. And James, knowing our struggles, calls us, the readers, to test ourselves and test ourselves honestly and thoroughly to see how the word of God is shaping our lives. And this is precisely the point of this passage, that our response to God's word reveals the reality of our faith. And in this passage, James paints three realities of how we should faithfully respond to God's word. By being rooted in the word, by receiving the word, and by reacting to the word. Now, James begins his journey by first saying that we should respond to the word by being rooted in the word. And while our main passage is James 1, 19 through 27, our discussion actually begins in verse 18. It is important we start here because this verse provides a foundation by which James builds his entire argument. And this verse says, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. As we know from last week, James is concluding his message on temptation and the gifts of God, saying that all gifts, those that are good and perfect, are given from God who is himself good and perfect. And we know that salvation, the best gift of all, is no different. I mean, it's fairly simple to see. Of his own will, he brought us forth. Christian, God chose you. God saved you. It was not because of anything you have done or anything that you are doing or anything that you will do. It was simply because It was simply according to his amazing grace and divine providence. Not only did God choose to save you, but he also chose how to save you by the word of truth. It is by the powerful word of God and in accordance with the Holy Spirit that one is brought to salvation. James doubles down on this in verse 21 when he speaks of the implanted word of God, of something that is placed inside of you. Something that which is able to save your souls. So the foundation is set for our passage. Salvation is not of your own doing. 
And as we transition into verse 19, we see that James is writing to an audience that already knows this. They're rooted in this very thing. And he says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Know this, my fellow believers. Know this, Christ followers. You know this. You have already tasted and experienced the saving power of God's holy word. It has been implanted in you. You are rooted in it. So know this, in the verses to come, James is not giving a call of salvation. No, James is giving a call to sanctification, a call to righteousness. See, where you're rooted matters. And for the majority of my childhood, my grandparents lived on Lake Pontchartrain, which is a major body of water just north of New Orleans. And I remember, as a kid, when Katrina, a Class 5 hurricane, swept through that very area. While they had safely evacuated, there wasn't much hope for their house or their possessions. And several days after the storm had passed, I recalled them making a long drive back to inspect the damage, all the time expecting the worst. And as they drove down the lakefront towards their home, they were greeted with the worst. A continual line of destruction. House after house was either flooded or torn apart by the winds. That is, until they happened upon their home. Amidst the ruin, their home stood. The foundation held firm, and their home was safe. This is what the word of God should be in our lives. The strong foundation by which we build off. The roots that secure us even in the fiercest storms. So that even when life is full of trials and tribulations, and our roots are being shaken and tested, they do not waver because they are firmly founded upon the word of God the rock of Christ. As Christians, we know this. The word has been firmly implanted in us, and it is the source of our hope, the source of our joy, the source of our strength. And if this is you, take heart and be reminded of it. Rejoice in it. But if this is not you, if your life is rooted in anything but the powerful word of God, whether it be your abilities, your identity, your career, your family, anything, you name it. And the only message you need to hear from me today is the gospel. The reality that you are a sinner who has fallen short of the glory of God, and there is nothing you can do to save yourself. Salvation only comes by the grace of God, through the death of Christ on the cross. He was taken upon him. Who has, who has taken upon himself the punishment for your sin. So repent and believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the promise of eternal life. The point being, if your life is not built upon this foundation, then nothing else I say today matters. For only a heart that is rooted in the word of truth is able to faithfully receive and react to the word of God. Once you're rooted in the word, James then says you are to respond to the word by receiving the word. The phrase salvation is an instant, but sanctification is a lifetime serves as a fitter reminder for us as we transition from how the word of God saves to how it transforms. 
And while one's status before God is secured, the instant their faith is placed in Christ, the outworking of the word in our lives is never complete this side of heaven. And James explains this process as the continual reception of what is already present, calling believers to once again to receive the implanted word. Meaning that even though the word is already rooted in our lives, we as believers never outgrow our need for it. Instead, our lives should be characterized by continual hunger, an unquenchable thirst, a never-ending desire for the Word of God. And how is one to receive the Word? But as James tells us, they are to be quick to hear and slow to speak. After all, One cannot receive what they are not willing to hear, and one cannot hear if they do not stop speaking. James is saying the working of the word is reflected in the believer's eagerness to listen. John MacArthur puts it this way. He says, our lives should reflect a desire to grasp every opportunity to increase our hearing of God's word. Hear me when I say this. I'm not calling you to check the box and move on. No. What is being described in this passage is an attentive spirit or a heart that willingly desires to receive. A heart that puts away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receives with meekness the implanted word. One that puts aside ourselves and takes off our sinful nature. Remove the things of this world, the filthiness and wickedness, anything impeding us from hearing the word. And then receives it in meekness. See, when you're born, the moment you took your first breath was the moment the doctor declared you are alive. Yet, you continue to breathe, breath after breath after breath after breath is needed to sustain that very life. Meekness comes from knowing that not only does God's word save us, but it sustains us. It is a humility that only comes from a life that is continually devoted to the receiving of God's word. Christian, We should cherish the word for what the word has done for us and is doing in us. I recently had the privilege of receiving a box of books from an older member of this church. And then in this box was everything from commentaries to studies. However, as I picked my way through the box, one specific book stood out to me. A Bible with a well-worn cover. And as I proceeded to flip through its pages, I was amazed because almost every page was full of notes or highlights. It was covered. What a beautiful testimony of a life devoted to receiving the word of God. And if our response to God's word really reveals the reality of our faith, then our Bibles and notebooks should be the first place we look. Are they... As this man's Bible, well-worn, from years of early morning study, 
family devotionals, and faithful sitting under the preaching of the word? Or has it been collecting dust in the corner, just waiting to be remembered, just waiting for you to have just a little bit of time, one spare moment? Believers, as we've said, our lives should be marked by our desire and hunger for the word. But as we all know, this is easier said than done. And unfortunately, there are many times in our lives when the longing seems distant or maybe even absent. While there are many reasons for this, I believe these moments often coincide with our relationship to the world. And it is in these times we find our love for the world increasing that we find our love for God's word decreasing. After all, who is not guilty of sleeping through Sunday's sermon because we were out too late the night before? Or who is not, not guilty of skipping small group or Sunday school because there just, there just is not, not enough time. There's too much going on at the moment. Or who is not guilty of having, this, having a schedule so packed that there simply is just not enough time to spend in God's word? Excuses are endless. Christian, as we become more and more distracted by the world, why is God's word always the first thing that goes? In these moments, I encourage you to slow down, pray, reflect on the priorities of your heart, and if needed, repent and put aside idols, anything anything that is inhibiting your hearing, and as James said, become quick to hear. Humbly return to and receive the word of God. The word that not only saves your souls, but sustains it. And isn't it amazing that as you do this, without fail, you find as your love for God and his word increases, your love for the world decreases. And my prayer is that our lives are represented by an ever-increasing desire and willingness to receive the word of God in our lives. Now, once you're rooted in the word and receiving the word, James then says you should respond to the word by reacting to the word. And he calls his readers to react by doing. In verse 22, he says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only. Well, yes, receiving the word of God is good. It is not the end goal. No, the goal of receiving is that it translates into action. It translates into faithful obedience. And that you begin to resemble Christ in all that you do. James illustrates this simple yet profound truth through the example of a mirror. And here James is using the mirror as a metaphor for the word of God. And as you gaze into it, you begin to see who you really are and who you really are called to be. And in this example, we are greeted with two people, both of which are intently looking at themselves in the mirror. However, the difference is not where they look or what they see, The difference is how they react to what is being revealed. 
And what does the first man do? But he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Forgetfulness is the focus here. Whether it's because he got distracted, wasn't pleased with the image he saw, or simply forgot, the point is that his careful inspection was wasted because it did not translate into action. He was a hearer of the word and not a doer. And according to James, we should hear this, this man is deceived. On the other hand, you have the second man, the one who looks into the mirror, the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer that forgets, but a doer who acts. Now, as this man looks into the mirror, he is captivated by what he sees. As a, a, and what does he see? But he sees a wretched and sinful man, one that has defied the very good and perfect law of God, someone that cannot save himself. Yet, as he peers deeper into the mirror, he also sees that of Jesus Christ, God's plan of redemption unfolding throughout history. And he clings to the forgiveness that comes to the cross. And what does this man do? But he reacts. And how does this man react? Well, James gives us three examples. He states he controls his tongue. He cares for the helpless. And he avoids worldliness. See, the word is active and alive. And the moment we come to faith, it begins refining us. And is being... And and as we continue to receive the word, it begins transforming us. So that our words and actions, our very person is being changed into the image of Christ. And the beautiful thing about this transformation is that, is not, that it is not one that can be characterized by obligation or duty. No. It's beautiful because it is a willing response. A desired Obedience rooted in a love and knowledge of what Christ has done and is doing for us. According to James, this man, the man who not only hears but does, will be blessed. When I took CPR training, the first thing they taught me was to survey the situation. Are they bleeding? Are they breathing? Are they conscious? Now, the second thing they taught me, and I, I, I never understood this, but they taught me to ask the person, are you in need of assistance? And I know I, I'm not a doctor, but, but if I'm even considering a meeting, administering CPR to this person, they are clearly in need of assistance. And clearly, they are not going to respond to my question. Well... As I've thought about it, I've come to realize that this may actually be the point. That maybe, just maybe, it is the person's lack of response that actually signifies they are in need of life-saving assistance. Now, if the reality of our faith is seen in our response or reaction to God's word, then I hate to say it, there are many people in the church right now that are in need of assistance. And while they may faithfully come every Sunday to hear the preaching of the word, 
They are failing to react to it. They are simply non-responsive. Or maybe this doesn't quite characterize us. Maybe we still have a little life in us. And instead of being completely unresponsive in all areas of our life, we are just simply picky in a few. And while we are willing to obey aspects of God's word, we aren't willing to obey all of it. We are selective. Happy to be doers as long as it is convenient and comfortable as long as it's not demanding too much from us. I would be lying if I would say we are not all guilty of this to some extent. And I believe we struggle with this the most when our eyes begin to stray. When our eyes slowly turn away from the Word of God and instead turn to ourselves. And if we are in need of assistance, the last place you should look is yourself. No, if obedience to the word is a struggle in your life, then return to your roots. Return to and receive the good and perfect word of God. Which reveals the only one who can truly save us in our time of need, Jesus Christ. See, the genuineness of our faith isn't measured by our Sunday school attendance. It isn't measured by the amount of studies we've done or the amount of theological terms we know. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying these things are bad. After all, I just spent a whole point talking about our willingness to receive the word. No. I'm saying that the genuineness of our faith is measured in how we, upon receiving the word of God, then react to the word of God. The reality of our faith is seen in our willing obedience to God's good and perfect law. Christian, the word of God is not merely meant to be read, but it's meant to be obeyed. And this obedience doesn't just encompass part of our life but it should encompass all aspects of our lives. So that we are not merely hearers deceiving ourselves. So we are not merely hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Toward the end of my college experience, I had a friend who, every time I would say something responsible, or mature, would stop what he was doing, look at me, and jokingly say, you've changed. Where's the old Chris? I want the old Chris back. Well, this went on for weeks, and eventually I grew tired of the joke. So the next time he said it, I snapped back at him, and I said, hey, aren't we supposed to change? Isn't that the whole point? Christian, isn't that James's whole point? That as we interact with the word of God, it is supposed to change us. 
So the question I leave with you today is, now what? As you leave this church, now what? As you have your devotional this week, now what? As you sit in a Bible study, now what? See, the answer to this question should be easy. We respond. And how do we respond? But, as James says, by being rooted in the word, by receiving the word, and by reacting to the word. For it is our response to God's word that reveals the reality of our faith. So, let's not simply be hearers who hear, but let's be doers who do.